Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Stephen Warrington, executive producer and host of Let's Talk About It. This is the show where we address a multitude of topics, engage fascinating guests to highlight and promote very positive uh, messages and things that are taking place in our community and move you, my audience, to action. So I want to thank you so much for your continued support. I have a great guest lined up for us today and it's really a blessing to be in the presence of this young man. He's a visionary and entrepreneur. He's compassionate and he's a living example of the Good Samaritan. And I have the pleasure of sharing his story with you today. Please stay with me. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return in studio with me will be Mr. Kevin Lilly. He is the founder and executive director of Samaritan Steps, Inc. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I spit it through the wire, man. There's too much stuff on my heart right now, man. I gladly risk it all right now. It's a life or death situation, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't really understand how I feel right now, man. It's your boy Kanye Titter. Shot Town, what's going on? Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for staying with us. We're back from break in Studio A at Malden Access Our Television. And with me in the studio today is a very driven and compassionate young man very successful young man. He is Mr. Kevin Lilly. Kevin, welcome uh, to uh, Let's Talk About It. Thank you so much uh, for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It's an honor to be here, really. Uh, I'm so glad you're in the studio with me today because when I uh, first met you a few months ago, I started and I started to hear your story. I immediately uh, took notice and thought, wow, what an incredible uh, young man. So I said, I have to have him on my show. I, I immediately uh, uh, said that. And um, so I'm glad you're here. And it's uh, positive, incredible, uplifting uh, stories like yours um, is actually the type of messages, positive messages that I wanna get out to my audience. Um, your story is the fabric of what uh, Let's Talk About It is all about. So again, welcome, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. So you're a native of uh, Dorchester, Mass. Mm -hmm. You graduated from uh, LaSalle College, located in Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah. You're the founder and executive director of Samaritan Steps, Inc. Now, we're going to discuss that in length today. Mm -hmm. And how old are you again? 24. Maybe 25 next month. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Very impressive. Now, Kevin, in the world today, uh, people are so much at odds with one another. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of tensions in our communities. There's so much uh, tension in the air between communities of uh, color and the police departments, uh, between different races, different uh, cultures, different uh, religions. Uh, and, and, and actually, that tension creates a lot of mistrust, uh, a lot of hatred. But in the midst of uh, our domestic and worldly uh, trouble, you merge conveying a message of compassion uh, for your brother and sister. Uh, and it's familiar stories like that that seem like it's being taken right from the pages of the Bible. Okay, yeah. the Good Samaritan uh, story. The story of the Good Samaritan. And given real form, real meaning, and real uh, purpose embodied in you. Now, I want to quote you a little bit. You said in one of the articles that I read, social justice is simply love in action. It repairs what was broken and returns what was taken. I like that. Can you expound on that for me? Sure, absolutely. I mean, usually when it comes to justice in general we kind of have it have different kind of ideas of what it is and some people think it's like criminal justice some people think it's revenge some people think, think it's vengeance but justice in the end essentially is love and action because things like racism homophobia sexism all those type of things that so those things essentially put someone in a lesser than position it doesn't treat them like the equal that they're supposed to be or the person that they're supposed to be it 
devalues them. And but social justice is pretty much like comes in and it repairs that. It says like, no, you're an equal in my eyes. Injustice, regardless of who it affects, it's an injustice towards me. Now, is, it's a personal thing. Is that your philosophy, something you came up with, that, that phrase, um, that quote, or is that something that you read and you kind of like mixed it with your own kind of like a philosophy? Kind of a mix of the two, but like the overall part about repairing and stuff like that, that's, I think that was kind of just a off the top of the head type of deal. <laughs> no problem. It's so fascinating that you had a heart and mindset and the will at the tender age of what? 21 and 22 to build an organization? Is yeah. that when you started? Yeah. Um, With the intention to help your brother and sister in need. Tell me about the mental journey that you had to go through leading up to this endeavor. So I, so I, in college I, I was an entrepreneurship major mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to start my own business. Even back like I was always like a hustler, always kind of, you know, I was a kid who sold candy in class, shoveled <laughs> snow, I wrote papers for kids freshman year, like I, you know, uh -huh. made money. But like, um, there was something, it, it, before that, I've always had this kind of idea, like, you know, when I do something, I kindly get rich, then I'll start my own nonprofit and help people. And then there was just kind of this change. It's like, that can take how many years, if anything, if it does even happen. And it's like, right. me getting to a certain financial status shouldn't be the kind of driving point for me to give back to my community. Mm -hmm. um, so December of senior year, this was during winter break, I had, um, I, I couldn't sleep, so I grabbed my MacBook and I started working on an idea for an organization I had. Um, originally, it was going to be three separate things: one for like a shelter for homeless youth, mm -hmm. book scholarship, and then like something for vets. Um, I pretty much combined it all because I got kind of lazy. I didn't want to do three 501c3 applications or anything else. Um, so we, com I combined it and I started kind of working on it. I talked to my mentor, LaKenya Rivers, who has her own organization, Family Movement, which works with like women and families transitioning from homelessness into housing. Brought the idea up to her and she was like, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So um, with that with that backing, with kind of that idea I wanted to do, I brought the, I pretty much told my department chair that I wanted to work on this as my internship. That way I can at least, you know, get sort of credit and not to mention the internship they had, I did before it didn't count. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I might as well get internship credit and work on what I want to do. Um, and it, at first, it kind of seemed like she didn't think I was serious about it. Um, so I pretty much spent that entire semester like trying to prove her wrong. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's a great segue because that was, I was going to ask you, what was the process that you went through to convince um, the powers to be in your, uh, at your school uh, to let you actually uh, take this on? How did you convince them? How did you show that this project was worthy enough uh, for them allow you the time to focus on this? I mean, I told them I'm capable. I told them this is something I'm passionate about. I showed them the, like, the original PowerPoint mm -hmm. and stuff. And then she told me, like, this seems like a challenge, but okay. I mean, it, it was kind of one of those things, like, it wasn't total, like, yeah, you got this. It was like, all right, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Because I'm just one of those people with, like, if someone tells me I can't do something or if someone kind of is like, yeah, kind of doubts me, I have to kind of go full steam ahead. Right. So the way my schedule was set up that semester, I had Fridays off. And so every Friday, I either, and during that time, I was also involved with Y to Y. The, um, I was on the steering committee for the shelter, the Harvest Students Open. Mm -hmm. So I had those meetings, mass coalition meetings. I was working on the business. I worked on the business late at night, early in the morning. That's kind of now where I still do stuff at like two in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much worked on it that entire semester from like the whole, I, I went to like, my mentor suggested I go to this like Lori Clearing House meeting. I mean, 
workshop where they show you how to start a nonprofit. So I did that um, and pretty much started with the bylaws, the whole application process, got it registered with the state pretty much a week after graduation. Wow. Um, so I pretty much worked on that whole thing the entire semester. And at the end of the semester, when our internship packets were due, the internship final paper was like 12 pages. I turned in like a 60, 70 page packet. So wow. it was the paper, <laughs> the revised PowerPoint, the bylaws, and a few other things too. Cause I'm like, I'm not messing around. Right. Um, and then I continued to work on it after graduation, so. Okay. Tell me, what was the uh, driving factors that moved you to take a stand against the very important issue of youth homelessness? Uh, what major or minor event took place that triggered in your mind and heart uh, that this was something that you really need to uh, address? So for youth homelessness or homelessness in general, there was a lot of things that led me to doing what I do now. I mean, my faith is definitely a big thing. Um, I do believe like, you know, all people are created equal. They all, you know, have dignity and should be deserving of dignity and respect. Um, I, my upbringing definitely was a big part of that. Growing up and seeing it every day was a part of it too. Um, as far as the thing that kind of triggered it, it was kind of a mix of a lot of things. Um, when I was in high school, I went, I volunteered at this event called Christmas in the City, and it's a big Christmas party for homeless children. And before that, it's one of those things I didn't really notice or didn't really realize that homelessness affects people other than that old drunk guy who smells like pee and beer. Mm -hmm. And seeing like the fa fact that it can affect children, young people, peers of mine, it was something that just it just lit a fire on into me. And even like in high school, I knew friends of mine who were homeless or in between housing situations. I went to like a private school and there was a couple times where the diversity woman even had to make like PB and J sandwiches and stuff for a couple homeless students. And it's like, this is a private school. Like, you know, so it shows like homelessness can affect everybody regardless of what position they're in. And I wanted to make a difference for those young people because for them in particular, if you get them off that cycle, they'll probably most likely never come back from it. As opposed to someone who's chronically homeless, they're just kind of used to it and it's just kind of a constant cycle for them. For young people, I mean, you can easily divert them off that path, you know, education, housing, all those other resources can kind of get them off that cycle to a point where they'll never come back. And I wanted to do something for those young people because the last thing you want us to do is see someone who is your age homeless and then decades down the road is still homeless battling the same situation mm -hmm. and especially with young people it's like we have a lot of potential and it's just trying to get them past that hurdle so that they can you know reach that potential that we all have being able to inspire other people especially like my generation to take action on mm -hmm. something they believe in mm -hmm. it just feels great because people all automatically look at us and think we're in for ourselves it's all kind of a like we're, I heard someone say we're like the selfie generation or something like we're all concerned with ourselves, and mm -hmm. it's like knowing like that's not the case at all. We have a lot of people who want to give back right. and even going further with some of the programs that we have, many of the young people and other stuff we serve want to give back. Right. And it just feels amazing. You, um, <clears throat> when you was describing uh, the process uh, earlier, um, when you was talking about that you started taking on this initiative while you were still in school, you made the uh, processing uh, very easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it sounded like uh, the only challenge um, was not getting the approval up front um, from your your professor or the dean or whoever gave you the would give you the approval um, to uh, go on and, and take on this as a uh, internship uh, project. But uh, what were some other uh, challenges that you probably had to 
um, overcome uh, trying to put this organization uh, together? There was a lot of a lot of challenges. I mean, being a full-time student at the time and you know starting your own business was not easy. I mean, you know, I had to go to class and other stuff, figure out times to work on the business and do that on my days off, trying to figure out, you know, how to get stuff done. I mean, I had to make a lot of sacrifices, couldn't get to go out as much as I wanted to because I was either working on the business or tired from working on it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of like financial sacrifices I've had to make. I mean, it's one of those things, it's like, cause like starting a business is like having a having a kid it's like you know you put a lot of stuff into it time money resources like in order to see it grow to be something you want to see right. so I mean I've had to put it, like quite a bit of my own money into it um I've put a lot of time into it I mean I remember I was like I was talking to my mentor one day and she was telling me like kind of keep track of your hours and kind of we went with like a kind of minimum kind of average salary for like an executive director and I mean at that point I mean I stopped counting months ago I would have been probably making 60 grand mm -hmm. with just doing this. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, and there's a lot of like, I, I pretty much do this for free right now. Um, you know, it's in sometimes I, because I put my own money into it. It's not like I'm like making anything out of it. Right. So it's a lot of a lot of sacrifices, a lot of times where I don't sleep. There was a lot of times where I, you know, back then or when I first started it, I didn't really sleep much. I was constantly working on it. I ate a lot of junk. I gained a lot of weight. Um, still working some of it off, you know, <laughs> got the pillberry stomach, but like, um, gained a lot of weight. I was, but I wanted to make this thing happen. So I, soon I ended up taking like my health seriously, a little more serious at the time than I did seriously later on, but it was just a lot of things because I wanted to see it happen. And it's one of those things, it's like when you see that thing, that when you have that dream about that thing, when you see that thing, when you see it start to become what you envision it to be, you're just like, I'm so close and you just have to go for it mm -hmm. but I've made quite a bit of sacrifices I mean I still do so just I still do I just don't really like talking about it right. not not so much talking about it and I mean usually with like social media I'm very transparent about you know the processes and how you know it was it took a while for some people to take us seriously take me seriously and take the organization seriously so I had to pretty much show them why we deserve to be taken seriously um there was a lot of like and that was a work in and of itself but there was a lot of little things I had to kind of overcome because I mean the weird thing about starting a business is it kind of like highlights some of the issues that you kind of have so like you know the whole like self-doubt thing like am I good enough to do this am I good enough to whatever why aren't they taking me seriously like that kind of blows up a little more when you actually have a business as opposed to just you being a regular old Joe Schmo. so it's like there's a lot of things I had to overcome personally financially all that other stuff starting the business and it's just like you know sometimes I mean have to fake it till you make it and there's a lot of times it's like some fundraisers I'm like the only one donating money and then have to put on like Facebook wow we got raised all this stuff and it's like that's all my money <laughs> you know it's like a lot of stuff and you know some things I'm not gonna like highlight like yeah I put all this stuff into it I did this and that it's like it happened mm -hmm. no one needs to know about my personal contributions into it as long as the job gets done so I read an article about you uh, from the 1851 Chronicle. I yeah. believe that's maybe a publication through your school. Yeah. It mentioned that there are approximately, or were at that time, approximately 6,000 homeless youth in Massachusetts high schools, yeah. uh, according to the uh, Massachusetts Coalition for the Homeless. But there were only 12 emergency beds. Um, tell me, uh, in Boston at that time, tell me, in your opinion, why is the need so great and the resources so little? So. I was talking about this with my intern the other day, and it's, 
I don't know why there's not really many more resources. I think the thing is with homelessness, we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. Homeless youth for some people is kind of a new thing because you're like, why are young people homeless? Right. And then when you get into other subgroups of that, homeless students, LGBTQ, homeless young people or whatever, that's even newer to some people because mm-hmm. they're like, how can someone be homeless if they're in school? Right. All this type of right. stuff. So it's just kind of, I think it's for some people it's a new thing. And I mean, you have like organizations like Bridge and um, a few others who've been there doing stuff for a long time. Like you do have a lot of homeless youth in the city. Um, the wait list for those 12 beds at the time is like 100 young people on any given night. Um, you have like, you know, uh, other kind of emergency shelters, but they're not really like open all year round. So those beds aren't totally available for those young people. Some of those young people don't feel comfortable going to adult shelters because of, you know, sexual assault. They've been robbed there, harassed, violence. Staff members aren't really helpful. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been barred due to like, you know, disciplinary issues, other stuff like that. Some of them don't want to be around drugs or whatever. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why we need more youth shelters and options for youth. But it's, it's a really weird thing how we don't have more of it. it. It's just, it's something that I don't really understand. It's like homeless youth have kind of need different sets of resources and services and there needs to be more options. And it was kind of seeing that kind of shortage and then also seeing some kind of issues that I kind of had with some of the existing options is kind of what made me want to do my own thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of that if you want it done right type of deal. Right, you know? right. Get out there and do it yourself. Absolutely. Right? Um, when you see a young person on the street whom you assume is homeless, you don't just keep on going. You actually talk, take the time to stop and talk to them and learn a little bit uh, about their story and engage them. Um, you don't have to naturally name names for confidentiality reasons, but what are some of the uh, most heart-wrenching uh, situations that you have come across encountering these young people on the street? There's a few of those. So there's times, I think, being involved or having the nonprofit where I realize like I don't know the answers, and there's times where I'm just literally just speechless. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one homeless young person I know, she was sexually assaulted in a, I want to say State Street tea station on like the day after the 4th of July. Mm. And this year? Uh, this was last year, last not year. two years ago. Okay. Um, and it took the cops months to put that guy behind bars. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, she sees the guy daily after that incident. And because of that, like, you know, the trauma and everything, she starts using heroin, cocaine, a few other things too. And it's just a tough situation because it's like, you can't say, don't do that because it's like you don't, it's a tough thing because it's like, you know, it's a traumatic event. And if like, you know, you see the cops not doing anything about it, if ultimately they did and he went to jail, but it's just a tough thing because what do you tell that person? Mm-hmm. Don't do drugs, it's not gonna help you. But for them at that point, it kind of- It's numbing the pain. It's numbing the pain. Yeah. Um, there's a, another young person I know, he passed away last, I wanna say early this year, if not early this year. Um, of a heroin overdose. And the saddest part to me was last time I talked to him, he said he was trying to get clean for his son. Um, There was a lot of like other situations. I mean, I know some young people who, one who, although like he, he battles with mental illness, he, you know, is involved in a gang, carries a gun, sells drugs, all that type of thing. Most, I I kind of, talking to him, it sounds more so like a community thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of why he joined the gang and stuff like that. But like, then talking to him and talking to, friends of mine who have kind of brought him out to lunch and talked with him. It's like when you realize like his big dream in life is to meet his mom who abandoned him. You're just like, right. that's, it, it's like little things that I would take for granted and right. other stuff like I see my mom every night. Now your mission statement says Samaritan Steps is to empower and support youth, veterans, and the community as a whole through advocacy, education, resources, and initiatives to help those who are disenfranchised become self-sufficient. 
give me some concrete examples of how your organization and the services that you offer go about helping the constituents uh, that you serve. Sure. So um, we have a lot of different things that we have done. We've done, of course, like, you know, giving out care packages and stuff. We did our clothing drive where we raised like over $13,000 of clothes and we gave out winter jackets and blankets and stuff to homeless individuals downtown Harvard Square. We've done um, our story time event where we pretty much, because one thing that I was, I was on coming back from a flight um, from a conference in Oakland and I was thinking like growing up story time was like awesome to me, you know, it's just like, you know, go to the <laughs> library and, and honestly my mom and my parents take me to story time as a kid. It's kind of why I love reading today. Mm. And I know like with families and motels, it's like some of the families don't have time or, and I don't want kids to just right. have their only kind of thing be a TV. Mm -hmm. So um, thought about the idea, as most ideas started, it kind of started as a Facebook status. Like, you know, why don't we just do a story time for homeless kids in motels? And then literally worked, we made that happen. And um, the first time we had a bunch of volunteers come out with us, we read books to the kids. The Boston Public Library Outreach Librarian came out with us. She did a puppet show for the kids. We even had some, so what the way we did it is we had three kind of chairs. So one person would read the book in English, one person would read that same book or page in Spanish, and then another one in Haitian Creole, since those were the main languages spoken by the families and children. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to be miss, kind of missed out. Right. And I also kind of figured that that it would be a great way to help them learn English. Mm -hmm. You know, if some of this, for some of these families, like they're still learning English, and what better way for the kids to learn it than hear the story like Cat in the Hat in their own native language, and then hear it in English, it'll be kind of easier to make transitions. And plus, you know, we gave out all those books in the end, so it's kind of a way to encourage the families to read. Um, the second time the Attorney General came out with us, and we even got her state trooper to read. Really? So I mean, it's it was probably one of my, I, I don't know, probably my favorite moment watching like. Um, the state trooper read where the wild things are on such a serious Boston cop <laughs> accent. It was just so awesome. But, I would have loved to be there. To oh, it was perfect. That. I'm like, I wish I could record this. And they told us at that point, no phones. I'm like, uh, wow. <laughs> it's just legendary. Right. Wow. But, um, so one thing I've always wanted to do was to do a book scholarship for those students, those students who have crappy grades, but a lot of potential. So we started with our CV on book scholarship. So we partnered up with the museum, um, a, a really cool, um, my friend's business in Boston to pretty much provide a book scholarship for a student. Mm -hmm. um, later on, we um, developed our Invisible Scholar Book Scholarship, which is specifically for homeless students. So it's, um, but all, all the scholarships are like $500, $250 per semester, and it's going towards their books. Um, that way, at, at least minimizes one of the costs that they would have to deal with. Um, so with this year, it was pretty, I mean, it took a while getting the word out. I mean, I had to even get dirty with press releases, just like Harvard student creates this, just kidding, and include the press release right. just to get them to open it. Right. But, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I'm petty, you gotta get creative. Right, right. But um, so we ended up getting four applications and the applications, like I was reading them and I was just blown away. Mm -hmm. And I know like ultimately when we move forward, we're gonna have to be really selective on who we go with, but I'm like, it's four young people we can probably raise this money. Mm -hmm. I want to do it for all four of them because, you know, it'll be a great way for them to start the school year. It's kind of a really cool accomplishment, plus it helps them out. Right. So um, we started a GoFundMe and the goal ultimately was like $2,000, so 2500 per young person. And we raised the goal in like five days. And then we're working on a few other projects and I mean, like October, we're gonna combine, with, we're partnering with Redline Fight Sports in Cambridge mm -hmm. to do our Dare to Fight Back event. So it's like a 
boxing clinic for women who are homeless or transitioning who experience domestic or sexual violence. Mm -hmm. Since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Columbus is kind of a jabroni, so why not do something cool on his day? Mm -hmm. So um, we're pretty much, we got Everlast behind us and a few other cool sponsors, so we're gonna pretty much um, do that for the women. Briefly, um, you were appointed by Governor Baker to the uh, Special Commission for Unaccompanied Youth. First of all, um, what an honor. Yeah, uh, cool. to know and work with a dignitary such as uh, Governor uh, Baker. Tell me um, a little bit about the purpose of this committee and what role you are specifically uh, playing. So um, the special commission was the, um, one of the things that was created in the whole homeless youth kind of bill. Mm -hmm. I keep forgetting the numbers because it changed so many times throughout the course of the whole advocacy thing. but. Governor, former Governor Patrick signed it on his last day in office. So what that bill kind of consisted of is providing um, money to go towards housing and support services for homeless youth and also the creation of the special commission that would focus on um, ways to kind of address homelessness, um, spend the money, also kind of account to kind of figure out how big the problem is. Mm -hmm. um, so on the commission, so I remember when Kelly from Mass Coalition first told me about the opening, I was like, all right, let's do it, why not? So I had applied, and I had applied pretty much right in the middle of when Patrick was leaving and Baker was coming in. Mm -hmm. So my application got lost kind of in that transition. So then I reapplied, and then I didn't hear anything back. And so I just kept going to the state house every other week in my sweatpants and Lobbying. stuff. Just like, oh, exactly. I'm like, so any update on the application? And then they're like, not now, Kevin, next time. We'll, we'll figure it out. And so I kept bothering them and then ultimately got moved forward and I uh -huh. got the letter um, saying I got appointed. So I ha I'm on there for a two-year term and I could get renewed. But what it does is, so I'm on there as a service provider. And it's kind of cool side note because like I'm on there with the commissioner of DYS and I used to work at DYS as a group care worker. Hated that job, worst job in my life. Don't work there. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I did that and now I'm on the commission with the actual commissioner. It's like pretty cool. Right. But anyway, so it's um, pretty much about like creating or so I was on the identification and connection working group which worked on specifically the youth count. Um, so trying to figure out how many homeless young people we actually have. Now this will be a great place for us to pause and take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to uh, take up the conversation now from here, okay? Awesome. Sounds good. Stay with us everyone, we'll be right back. Welcome back everyone, if you're just uh, tuning in today. With me in the studio is Mr. Kevin Lilly, and he is the founder and executive director of Samaritan Steps, Inc. Tell me, Kevin, a, a little bit about your uh, beginnings, your childhood, where you originally are from, uh, where you grew up, um, and what was it like coming up uh, for you? I, so I'm from Dorchester. I am from, I mean, I'm the oldest of 
two other brothers and a little sister. Um, growing up, I would say it was kind of like any normal person. I mean, I did a lot of stupid stuff, didn't get caught, taught my way out of a lot of trouble. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I think kind of like it's obvious with the whole talking thing. Um, but I mean, it was one of those things. It was, I mean, I grew up in Dorchester. It's one of those things where, you know, you being a you know young black kid, there's a lot of things that you kind of get differently from other people and some things you see that some others might not. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've, I grew up getting the police talk and a few other talks that I'm sure some people didn't get. I mean, but other than that, overall, like life was pretty much just normal. Mm-hmm. I tried to stay out of the big trouble. You know, I didn't get involved with some other people. I was kind of that, that kind of a nerd, mm-hmm. you know, that still am, you know, mm-hmm. comics, reading books in general, you know, playing outside, just, you know, living life. What are some of the uh, core values that your parents instilled um, in you as an adolescent and te- teenager? Uh, love, respect, um, dignity, um, you know, carrying yourself in a very, um, pretty much treating everyone the way you want to be treated, um, being one of them, definitely fighting for what you believe in, um, working hard for everything. Um, it's one of those things, it's like some people get things handed to them, I'm just like, I, I mean, I've pretty much been working like two jobs since I was like 14, just because I didn't like asking my parents for money, although I had to sometimes. But like, it's just kind of working hard for what I had, for what you have, and never really stopping for what you want. Um, so like, if you have a goal, kind of working towards that goal, um, and just kind of trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, it's one of those things. Like, um, I think for some people, it's like some people get involved in service work because. It's kind of like a, this is what we do, or, you know, I, it, this is Christmas time, I, you know, it feels right. I mean, it's just like, this is kind of what I have to do. It's like, it's a, it feels like a calling at this point. So it's just kind of like that love for others, that, you know, being passionate about what I believe in, that fighting for love and, I mean, f- you know, being all about justice and kind of that honesty and kind of being, and that, that honesty, the honesty, Honesty, excuse me, um, is kind of a big thing too. I mean, I, all that type of stuff, all that stuff pretty much comes out in our organization some way or another. Like honesty, I'm kind of a really kind of blunt person for a founder. <laughs> um, and like even honesty when it comes to how we use the money. Um, love and justice and stuff for, you know, we, it's one of those things, it's like, we wanna fight for those people who people kind of ignore or forget about. Cause it's like those people are still valuable. You know, I mean, whether, even if some people don't believe in God, I mean, like, I believe, like, people do have intrinsic value, whether they are, you know, struggling with addiction, they're perfectly fine, they're dealing with homelessness, whatever, they still have some sort of value, and that person should be fought for. Um, so it's one of those things, it's, it's, I, the, the values that, you know, I've gotten from my, that, from my household has definitely played a big role in how I live my life, how the organization runs, the core value, the core heart of the organization and all, the, all that other stuff. Uh, very impressive. Now, if you had the power to wield the social, political, and economic apparatus uh, of our society, what would you do to correct the situation? What policy would you uh, put in place? Where would the resources go? That's a huge, 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 oh, that, that's a huge, huge burden. I mean, because there's so many different structural problems that we have that kind of impact everyone, homeless individuals and not, I mean, you have, issues of our criminal justice system, education, um, housing. Like, I would definitely focus on those three and a few others, but like, with criminal justice, it's like, you know, if someone 
gets arrested, they don't really have many options when they come out for jobs. That makes stuff that harder than some of them join gangs and other type of stuff and get back in the system. And, and I mean, I read somewhere that, you know, it's expensive to, you know, have prisoners. I mean, like, as opposed to educating them. And it's expensive to, I mean, compared to, and the weird thing is, it's like the way we do things, it's more expensive to us, but we've been doing it for so long, it's just kind of how we do things. Like, mm -hmm. we build more prisons and schools, we pretty much spend more money on, like, prisoners than we do on our education. We, um, what, what was the thing? Like, I re read an article the other day, it's more, it's cheaper to put homeless people in housing than it is to, you know, keep them homeless. Mm -hmm. Or even the whole shelter system and other stuff. So it's like, the best options are the cheapest options, but I don't know why we don't do the cheapest options. Right. But I mean, with going back to the whole thing, there's just so many structural issues that we have, and it's just like, I think when it comes to homelessness, we simplify things. Mm -hmm. We say, well, why don't they get a job? Well, you can't really get a job if you don't have a shower, good clothes to wear for interview, other stuff. Right. Why don't they just get housing? Well, do you know how expensive homeless I mean, <laughs> right. housing is in Boston? <laughs> right, right. Like, I mean, and it's just a lot of things that we take for granted, a lot of systemic things that we need to address. So your champion uh, for social justice, is there a broader um, systematic failure that you recognize that you can uh, point out uh, that let these uh, youth down? There's a lot. Um, education, for one, is letting them down. Um, I, I mean, it's a combo of a lot of things. I mean, I used to work in DYS and the detention center, and I've seen the system just let these kids down time and time again. It's just one of those things, it's like, it's weird how, I don't know how to phrase it, but it seems like some of these kids, they're already set up to fail. It's like people already look at them like thugs, statistics, future baby moms, future, you know, whatever, future ex -con Like, it's it just like we already kind of have this mindset for some young people and the systems in place don't really do much to divert them. It's like the education system kind of sucks, public school-wise, it's not that great. And I mean, for public school education, for example, I mean like, or school in general, it's like, it's taught and I mean we're entrepreneurs like it's you're kind of taught to regurgitate stuff mm -hmm. for that kid who's you know a hustler selling you know candy or even selling drugs they're great at math I realized that in the detention center they're phenomenal at math mm -hmm. like if you were to take that kid's passion and put it in a different way that kid would be killing it out right. here I mean and it's just like school it's kind of like repeat repeat learn this repeat and it's like there's nothing really for those students who don't fit into that system that mm -hmm. kid who's creative who probably sucks at repeating information, right. but they have that creativeness to kind of go for ideas and they're gonna probably start their own business one right. day that those A and B and C students are gonna be working for. Right. Um, we have like the criminal justice system that kind of just automatically kind of gives up on these kids unless they're, you know, coming from a certain position or unless they can swim. I mean, it seems you get a lot of, get away with a lot if you can swim nowadays. But like, it's one of those things, it's like, a lot of these kids are just giving up on. Is that a reference to the Olympics? Oh, oh. <laughs> Ryan Lochte's stupid behind and the other kid, the rapist one over in California. It's weird because half of these kids don't get the breaks other people get. But it's just like, we love to hear, oh, we live in an equal society. It's like, we have an e equal society on paper, but with unequal systems. Um, so, I mean, systemically, there's a lot of stuff failing these kids, a lot of stuff. And it's heartbreaking when, back when I worked in the detention center, seeing kids like get released and come back like a few days later. It's like, you got there's so much more to life than these five locked doors like i mean the private prisons the detention centers the everything else the crappy education the like a lot of little things it's just like and even like the the like not really much education around like starting your own business
small businesses are the ones that's creating jobs out here. Might as, might, as, might as well support those people or get people resources to kind of stand on their own two feet. Now, as I understand, you did some advocacy work uh, with the Massachusetts uh, Coalition for the Homeless a couple of years ago around a proposed bill, specifically House Bill uh, 135. Mm -hmm. um, that bill was to provide housing and services to homeless. Um, and you had the unique opportunity to speak um, at the uh, state house got in this bill. Tell us a little bit about that experience. What was the uh, process? You know, what serious challenge came up is, uh, that you had to overcome? So I testified in the bill hearing. Um, so it was, they had a lot of, they wanted people to testify on behalf of the bill. Um, so it was me and Tina, who's currently the community organizing person for Mass Coalition. She formerly was homeless and she's amazing. Um, so they pretty much put us on the same panel and she was just like, I didn't write anything down. Can I go for you? I was like, sure. And then she crushed it and I'm like, damn, <laughs> I wrote this down. Like, well, you just one up me. Right. <laughs> you know the story, Tina. So like, yeah, I mean, we're friends today about that and still kind of laugh about that. But I mean, like, it's one of those things, it was cool because it, you get to, because for me, I've never been homeless a day in my life, which some people still find is a shocker as to why I'm so passionate about it. But like, be, not being homeless and just being passionate about it and just seeing the injustice that my peers face, mm -hmm. there's just, I had to do something and like, you know, speaking out was just one of those ways. So spoke out and that kind of got my peers to come and to the state house and like, you know, talk to their state rep and other stuff. So it was just kind of one of those things. It's like, it, you don't have to be talented to advocate. Right. You just have to have a big mouth and a lot of passion. Uh, Kevin, you are involved with so much. I don't know how you fit it all in, actually how you fit it all into your schedule. But when you do find time for yourself, um, what activities are you involved with um, for yourself uh, to actually keep yourself grounded and balanced so you don't get burned out with all the weightier things that you're uh, doing? I do a lot of traveling. Um, do a lot of traveling, a lot of tattoos, obviously. <laughs> you know. um, probably the most tattooed nonprofit founder anyone knows of. <laughs> um, but like, I definitely try to do tattoos, traveling, reading um, are big for me. Um, so, uh, traveling is like a big, big thing because I mean, for me, with all the stress with the business and stuff, sometimes I just need to get out. Mm -hmm. Like even if it's a day trip to New York or something or what have you, I try to like save up money. And the good thing is, since I'm like you know single guy with no commitments, I don't really spend much money on stuff. So I like rent my phone bill, so I like have money to put away towards travel. So right. you know, save up, get some plane tickets, and just go. So, and it's just like it helps being outside of the city for a little bit. Cause like the minute like the plane touches down or I see the Boston skyline or Lynn or anything, I'm like, oh, I yeah. gotta get back to work. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, like it's one of those things. It's just like, it feels good to separate myself from everything mm -hmm. once in a while, and then do a lot of writing. You have a lifetime ahead of you. Um, tell me, what is your big vision? What is your big dream? Where do you see foresee yourself five, ten, fifteen years down the road? Dictator, not free. Um, <laughs> And he's a comedian too. <laughs> what can I say? I try. Um, honestly, I don't know. I thought about politics, but not really in like a serious like career politician sense. More so, probably just like doing it, doing everything once, just to try it out, and then just be done with it. Mm -hmm. Just so people could, if people are like, oh, I want to make them a one term something. It's like, yeah, that's a goal anyway. I just want to do it for one term, crush it, and leave. Sure. But like, um, I kind of want to just like the nonprofit is definitely what I want to do. I want to, you know make this successful, ultimately put myself out of business. I want to kind of inspire others to start their own thing. I forgot the quote, but it's some, I think it was a Gary Vee quote or something like, build a life where you don't need a vacation from. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to ultimately create a life that I don't need to get away from. A, like, I, you know, something where I get to make a difference on my own terms, 
be my own boss, get to see a difference made in the lives of others and travel. My focus has been more so like being able to invest in people instead of just like empty things. Ultimately, like the end mission, the end goal of the organization is to put ourselves out of business because I want to live in a world where there's no youth homelessness. I don't want youth homelessness to be what needs, what, what has to happen for our organization to stay afloat. My ultimate dream is to be able to just transition Samaritan Steps to the Scholarship Foundation. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, transition that where, you know, in the world where there is no youth homelessness. In the meantime, we're going to have to, you know, do that, like provide services and programs and stuff for homeless youth and, you know, the shelter idea I want to do down the road. But the ultimate goal is to just put ourselves out of business. And here's a question I have for you. I think the reason why I'm so impressed with you is because you remind me a lot of me. I'm a entrepreneur. When I was the age of 19, I owned my own business. Um, pretty much almost fresh out of high school a year later, I wound up owning my own business. And what I'm wondering about you, it's like, <clears throat> for me, if I had the chance to do the things that I wanted to do without worrying about anything else, I feel I could change the world, okay? Because there's a spigot inside my head that's always ongoing. Yeah. I just keep on getting ideas, ideas, ideas. It's like a flood of stuff just comes. And sometimes I can't manage it all because it's like just too much. I'm wondering, sitting here talking to you, is it like that for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my mentor calls me like the Energizer Bunny. Like my note section in my iPhone has like over 600 something notes in it. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I'm on the train and I just write some mm -hmm. ideas. A lot of the organization ideas literally come out of like nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that sounds like a great idea. Let's try it. Right. And I'm just down to fail. So I mean, I'm, you know, if it doesn't work out like I wanted to, well, so mm -hmm. be it, we tried. Right. And it's just like, I. Whether it be the business, I do a lot of writing in my downtime. It's just like one of those things, It's it feels like, I totally know where you're coming from. Like there's so many ideas and then it's just like, you have to try and get them down. And then mm -hmm. for like the organization idea ones, just trying to figure out ways to make it happen. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's fun, but it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. Is there um, anything Samaritan Steps uh, is actually lacking right now um, that is needed uh, to help your organization fulfill its mission? I'd be dishonest if I say money, if I don't say money. Mm -hmm. I mean, the weird, so the way our organization is and we're structured and stuff is, we're structured to do a lot with little. Um, we're very creative with how we do things. And I mean, and we're very, so for me, it's like I, this, a couple things I don't like wasting, time and money. Um, I don't like wasting my board members' time, my interns' time, anybody's time. Like our meetings, we get a lot done in our 34 minute meetings than most organizations in like two, three hours because it's all about just going and getting things done. Money, um, it's one of those things, it's like our book scholarship, we pretty much did, we have, we're providing four young people with book scholarships for two grand. Um, we're doing like all this other stuff for like $500. Like $500 or some of our events have been like 200, but we've had big impact and stuff on it. Um, one project we're trying to raise money for is like 17 grand, but like compared to some other organizations, that's maybe a third, if not less, of their budget. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're working with not much, but we're trying to do a lot. So I mean, money would definitely be one of those things. Mm -hmm. And one thing with the way I run the organization is I transparency is something I totally value. Um, it's a big, big thing to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I want people to know where their money is going. I, I don't want people to kind of be like, where is this money? Like, I want people to see where their money is going, see the people right. it's going to affect, see where it's going. Because, I mean, it's about trust. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I also put my own money in it too because it's like I believe in what I'm doing. Tell me, Kevin, as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you would actually like to uh, share with our viewers at home? Uh, anything that you deem important uh, that I fail to ask you? 
If there's something that bothers you, a social problem, something that like you see an injustice, don't wait for someone to do something. Mm -hmm. Don't like take action. Um, giving money might not be the best action. Probably taking them to Burger King and getting them a burger might be, or whatever. I mean, just thinking kind of off top of the head. But like, don't wait for someone to take action because there's somebody else who's waiting for someone else to take action. Meanwhile, there's nothing being done. So I would say get involved, whether it be with organizations like mine, others, you don't have to be as crazy ambitious to start your own to make a difference. There's a lot of little things you could do to make a difference. Um, don't kind of disqualify yourself from making a difference. I think a lot of people kind of have this assumption that I need to be a Martin Luther King, a Gandhi, or somebody, a big name to make a difference. It's like, you can just be you mm -hmm. and have just as powerful as a, a powerful of an impact. Right. I mean, I'm a 24-year-old kid from Dorchester and I'm doing this. I right. mean, like, you know, you don't have to have a big school name behind you, a lot of money behind you. Uh, you don't have to have anything. You, you don't need, like, it's just a passion and a heart for people. You just have to have the will to do something. Exactly, and I think if you have the heart for people, which is a big thing, and that passion, and that you, it's gonna take you far, mm -hmm. and you're gonna know what to do. Now, if someone watching wanted to uh, get involved, maybe it's a youth or someone who knows a young person that could benefit, maybe it's an individual that wants to volunteer, or maybe it's someone who wants to give that all important resources, monetary funds. How should they uh, go about contacting you or Samaritan's uh, Steps Inc? So we're, my intern and I were working on changing our website now, but I mean, they can get in contact with me through email. So it's um, samaritansteps at gmail.com. Um, there's my other email address, no time for small talk, yahoo.com. Um, there's the organization's Facebook account, a Facebook page, Samaritan Steps Inc. Um, there's the Twitter account, which I have to do better on. So we're kind of balancing my Twitter account with the organizations, but um, there's social media email, um, are probably the two better ways to contact me. Okay. I mean, I'll definitely try and get back to them as soon as I could. Kevin, I want to uh, thank you so much. Thank uh, you for having me. For coming in once again, for being here. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, we need more men like you who have a vision and actually have the energy to take action, to live out that uh, vision. As things go on and things progress with you, we'll stay in touch and I'll bring you back in the studio and you can update us in terms of how things are going. Okay? Absolutely, and if you all need anything from me on my end, you already know, I'll help anything I can do. Certainly appreciate that. And I encourage you uh, to keep up the uh, good work in the community, okay? To do more good in the world to make change um, and change course for us because I feel that as human beings, sometimes we're on a course of destruction. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for coming out. And thank you so much again for having me. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Well, folks, what a great and awesome uh, guest uh, that was. Once again, that was Mr. Kevin Lilly, uh, the founder and executive director of Samaritan's Steps, Inc. Um, our time is up here. Uh, once again, that time flew by. I hope you were informed and enjoyed the uh, show. If you have any comments um, or suggestions about future shows, please email me at letstalkma at yahoo.com. That's L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-M-A at yahoo.com. I want to uh, thank my audience once again uh, for making the production of the show all worth it. Um, and a sincere thank you to MATV for providing access to the studio and equipment. Until next time, folks, my name is Stephen Warrington, your host today on Let's Talk About It. Good night and be good.